Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'd like to just reread a portion of the gospel lesson today. Uh, this is the parable by Jesus in Matthew 13 of the wheat and the weeds. And at the end here, Jesus tells us uh, through the disciples that uh, this is what happens between the righteous and the unrighteous when the second coming of Christ comes. Just as the weeds were gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. This is the word of the Lord. This particular parable is found in Matthew 13, and uh, in the, that particular uh, chapter of the Bible, there are actually seven parables spoken by Jesus to his disciples and to also other people that are gathered around Jesus. Out of those seven, four of them have some kind of an agricultural background to them. You might ask if you uh, think about this, you know, well, why are so many of the parables dealing with agricultural issues? Uh, these uh, four are not the only ones. There are others in the Bible. It seems like Jesus is always using farming and fields and sowing and seeds and harvest and plowing and vineyards and words like that, all agricultural words, in order to tell the story, a parable. A parable being an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Well, if you think about it, that for actually at least 1,800 years of the preaching and the teaching and the reading of the Gospels, which contain, of course, the parables of Jesus, uh, those were read and heard and spoken by people who were predominantly agricultural people. Probably 90% of the population was agricultural. 100 years, from, uh, 100 years ago, Grafton was an agricultural community. Somebody told me once that in 1950, uh, in Grafton Township, in the village of Grafton, there were 92 dairy farms. You know how many dairy farms there are in Grafton Township right now? None. So predominantly, 1800 years if not more these were read and heard spoken by agricultural people so back in the days when jesus walked on the earth when he wanted to tell that earthly story with a heavenly meaning the people that were often most often listening were people somehow involved in agriculture well of course it's different today uh, we have uh, people that have no idea, young people especially, where food comes from. They think that uh, a gallon of milk just appears, you know, in the cooler and that's the way it came out of the cow. <laughs> and of course, uh, we've lost. Now, I, my parents both came from farms, uh, but I'm a city boy. They moved to the city. Now, my, I, my last grandparent died when I was seven, but she lived on a farm with one of my mother's uncles, and so we would visit once in a while. And I can remember going back and being 
in a way very intimidated by going to that farm. I was a city boy. I didn't know about animals. They scared me. The dogs were really scary on that farm. Also, uh, the fact that um, on the table was always some milk in a clear glass. There were always black particles in that milk. I didn't have black particles in the milk that I drank from on that kitchen table in my city house. There were also uh, my, my grandmother, at least as far as I know, only spoke German, and so my mother and my grandmother would speak. I had no idea what they were talking about. Maybe that's why she only spoke German, <laughs> so that I wouldn't hear what they were talking about. I don't know. I'll never know. Maybe when I get to heaven, I'll find out. But, you know, that was scary for me. I, I didn't understand what was going on there, and it smelled terrible. And, now this is back in the 50s, they still had an outdoor toilet. I never went in that. <laughs> City boys don't do that. So, uh, it was interesting that um, uh, as I was thinking of this sermon, and of course knowing that uh, the parable of the uh, weeds and the wheat was going to be the gospel lesson for the day. I think God, in a way, sent me on a little bit of a learning excursion. Uh, because my wife and I happened to go down to a place called Altamont, uh, uh, Illinois. Uh, my wife uh, knew somebody from the, that was raised there, and this is a farm town. It's you know between St. Louis and Indianapolis. Uh, and we went down there to visit this friend of ours for, that we've known and have been friends with for 60 years. And so she is a retired Lutheran school teacher who lives in Utah, but she came home and we were, met her there. Now, I haven't been down in uh, central and southern Illinois in a long time, and I'm in Grafton and we have farms around here, but I now remembered why they call Illinois the land of the flatlanders. For hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles, we drove through nothing but soybean and cornfields. Now, you know, when I was a little kid, that was boring and annoying, but now that I'm older, uh, I, I appreciate that. It tells me that, um, and reassures me that we live in a most wonderful country. God has blessed us and blessed us. No matter how many problems we have and conflicts we have, we live in a land of wonder and amazement. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles, and this is only one state, with all that food. And you can tell that I like food. Food is important to me. But more importantly, it made me kind of awestruck that this God who loves us enough to send his son to die for us also provides for our earthly well-being. We live in a country that's plentiful with food. We ship it all over the world. Um, the experts say we have so much food being produced that 50% of it gets thrown out. And uh, we also have as a major health problem in our country is the fact that we eat too much as Americans. So it kind of gave me a, more, a better appreciation of this parable about the wheat and the weeds. So what kind of lessons or what are, are we to learn from this parable, this agricultural parable, you know, being preached to people who mostly don't understand agriculture and how hard it is to, to grow crops and make a living as a farmer? Well, first of all, 
The parable tells us that our God is long-suffering. Another word for long-suffering is patient. His workers in the parable come to the owner and say, well, should we go out and pick these weeds out? And the owner says, no, you might pick out the wheat. So we'll wait, wait till the harvest and then go in. This is, in a way, uh, Jesus is telling us about the fact that our, our God, our Heavenly Father, loves us so much that he wants to give every opportunity to every person to hear the good news of Jesus Christ so that they can go to heaven. He wants everybody in heaven. Though some people don't want to go to heaven. They, they walk away from God. They don't care about God. They don't care about Jesus. But his desire is to allow more time so that more people can go to heaven. He wants as many people in heaven as possible. Uh, his love is uh, abounding. He is slow to, ang to anger, the scriptures tell us. Don't destroy what might potentially become someone's soul to save. Also, as I think of the fact that each and every one of us as human beings are given one more day. This day is another day of our life. We are not guaranteed tomorrow, but we're guaranteed today. And so we are to be that wheat. And we are to rec we're here this evening because we recognize that we are children of God. And we are here because we know God loves us. He's cared for, he cares for us. He sent his son. He provides for all of our needs. We've been given one more day to be the righteous to shine like the sun here on earth. Number two, the parable certainly tells us that there is a life after this one. There's not just this life, there is another life yet to come. There are only two options, this life and the next life. There are no alternatives, there are no excuses. Uh, when you, you wind up in one or the other, and uh, you don't get to come back and forth once, de once you're death, that once you die or that comes, Jesus comes a second time, it's judgment. It's all over. And it's an eternal life. And God decides who goes where. But he bases it on their faith in Jesus Christ. Number three, that uh, there's this heaven. And then there's this alternative. Those are the two places there are. And he tells us that heaven is a place for the righteous, believers, those who are saved, and the alternative, which is described as a fiery furnace and a place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'm not always sure what that means, but it doesn't sound like a lot of fun. And it doesn't sound like it's very pretty. And it doesn't sound like some place that any of us want to be. Not pretty, it is pretty ugly, and it is a significant consequence you know, when those who want to reject God and walk away from God don't care about what did Jesus do and so why is that important? I don't want anything to do with it. There are consequences to that kind of an attitude. Number four, we wind up in heaven and if we do, it's God's work. It's the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. He does the work. We get the benefit. If we wind up in the alternative place, it's not God's fault. 
God didn't have anything to do with it. It's our own fault. His work and power get us into heaven. Our fault, our sinfulness, our own desire, our rejection of Jesus Christ is what winds us up in that place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. And again, how are we judged on that? Well, we are not judged by the money in our bank account, what race we are, our status on earth, whether we're male or female, we are judged by our faith and trust in the promises of Jesus Christ and the promises of God our Father. He looks at our heart, he looks at our souls. Are we righteous? Do we believe in Jesus? Do we trust his promises? Do we really believe that Jesus is our Savior? Do we really believe there is a heaven? Do we really believe that we're going to go to heaven? Do we really believe that God will deliver us there and we will have eternal life and we will be sinless? That's the faith factor, the trust factor. The weeds in our parable, of course, are those without Christ and they burn. The wheat are those who are righteous, who believe in Jesus Christ and trust that he is their savior and that the Holy Spirit has made them part of the family of God. And Jesus in the parable says, these are going to shine in heaven. It's not a chance, it's not a lottery, it's not a choice. It's a promise from God. C.S. Lewis once said this. He says, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. I think that's quite a phenomenal statement of great truth. Now, do we need to be afraid and worry that maybe we're not one of those righteous people, but we're one of the unrighteous? We've deceived ourselves or we kind of falter between you know, being righteous and unrighteous? Well, not really, because we believe that Jesus loves us and the Spirit has come into our heart. We've been baptized. We've been strengthened by the Lord's Supper. We read the Word of God. We hear all of those promises, and we recognize that we are followers of Jesus Christ. And so we have confidence and joyfulness and hope that we as Christians, as the righteous, because of the work of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to be in heaven. When we die, we're going to be in that place and we are going to shine like the sun. We are always to be ready and prepared, Paul tells us, to give an explanation for the hope that is found in us. Well, I would like to think that not only are we supposed to shine in heaven, but we're supposed to also shine on this earth. In other words, we should be identified and recognizable as Christians. Uh, our faith in Jesus Christ and our love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit would be something that the world sees. And I believe the world does pay attention. They may not always like it or appreciate it. They may mock us. Sometimes people even get hurt because of their faith shining. But nonetheless, we have been given that kind of power and ability through the power of the Holy Spirit in the faith that has been given to us. So not only are we going to shine in heaven, but we are to shine here on earth. And so as Jesus uh, uh, talked to those disciples and other people as he was sharing these parables, he would say, those who have ears, let them hear. 
So fellow Christians this evening, listen up. Shine now and shine in heaven. Amen.